Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan, your host. And I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. And the purpose of this podcast is to tackle the eating-related side effects of chemotherapy. And we always discuss the practical real-world solutions to make your food taste great again. Yes, going forward and in the past. If only we had a flavored time machine. Could teach you how to cook in the future and then send good food to the past. That would be helpful. That would be super helpful. <laughs> Stop me from burning everything. So in this episode, we're going to talk about memory association as it relates to your food. Yes. And which could basically be summed up in a question that you, Chef Ryan, get a lot in your cooking for chemo classes, which is, why does my food taste different than I remember? So why does it? Well, that's a really <laughs> easy, simple, seemingly innocuous question, but really it's a very complicated question that we've been tackling really over the last, what, six episodes? Seven. Seven episodes? Wow. I can't even believe it's seven and eight. Okay. So this is episode eight. I got to remind myself. So yeah, over the last seven episodes, we've really been talking, lightly touching on this and going into all the factors that are incorporated into this. And so really... Um, when you think about your brain, right, your brain, I, I talk about how the eating experience is not limited to taste or smell or just touch or just sound or just sight, right? It's all of it all together. Right. You got to think of your brain as, you know how like in airplanes, these big flying, you know, giant jumbo jets, they have flight data recorders. They call them the black boxes. Yeah. But they're actually orange. Anyways, but <laughs> that's a different topic a different for topic. a different subject for a different Anyways, day for so a different the, podcast. <laughs> so the, the black boxes, they record all the flight data, right? They're FDRs, flight data recorders. Okay. okay. You got to think of your brain as like a LDR, a life data recorder. It takes all this data all the time, constantly from all of your senses, even when you're asleep, right? All this data is constantly being bombarded from your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your sense of touch, your sense of hearing, all of those things, right? Well, then they get stored in your brain and they become what are called memories. And the way that memory works is that humans in certain circumstances will remember the entirety of a memory. But mostly we recall very short amounts of memory Okay, and we call these pigeonholes. And these idea, this idea is that we pigeonhole information to give quick information that we can pull up at any point in time to say, oh, I remember this, it's like blank. So we start having these memories, but we also build what are called associative nets. And there are these networks in your brain that help you remember things by understanding what one thing is like. For example, we talk about this in cooking a lot. If you taste basil, you would say that tastes like basil, right? But if you've had licorice before, you'd say, oh, this basil tastes a bit like licorice, right? Okay. Which is a stronger version of that same type of flavor. Or wormwood or star anise. There are all these different flavors that are similar in range but are actually different. But... The way that we describe them and we remember them is by associating them with another object. So if you had never had licorice before, you would say that licorice tasted like a stronger, more bitter basil. And so that's how we remember things. So why does food taste different than I remember? Because how you were before, and we run into this all the time, right? When you think about what your life was like when you were a kid, you're like, oh, my parents are the best parents in the world, right? 
And then you look back at your parents, and your parents are fighting the whole time in all the family videos and yelling at each other and throwing things. You're like, well, maybe I didn't have the best parents, right? But as a little kid, you remember that you loved your parents and your parents loved you, and then you dive into these issues later through lots of therapy, and you go, oh, wait a minute, hey, you know. My maybe, memory association is off. Maybe my memory's <laughs> wrong, you know? Well, the same thing happens in chemo. When before chemo, before cancer, you have your senses that you've been developing over your entire life. Let's say you're 25 years old. You've been developing these senses for 25 years. Let's say you're 75 years old. You've been developing these senses and these associations for 75 years. And you remember something like, for example, onion rings tasting a certain way. You know, they've got the sweetness and the crispiness and the savoriness, the touch of salt, you know, and then you've got that strong onion flavor and smell to it, right? But then... That's because you remember it a certain way because at that point in time, your senses felt a certain way. You could sense it with a certain amount of degree of certainty at that time. Well, when you start going through chemo, chemotherapy doesn't affect one system, right? It's not something that affects one little tiny subsystem of your body. It affects the entire subsystem. And you got to kind of start thinking of your body somewhere between a machine and a piece of meat, right? Because that's kind of what it is. It's a meat machine, if you really want to think about it. Every part of your body has a mechanical function, okay? And this is kind of how I, I think about it because it makes it make a lot more sense. So you got to kind of think of your brain in the way that you'd understand how a computer works. And you got to kind of understand the way that your muscles and stuff work the way that like a car engine would work. They're completely different, but the principles are the same, right? The scientific principles are the same in how they work. So imagine you have a computer that has a 1K camera on it, right? Like a 1080p camera on it, okay? And it's recording data all the time. Then all of a sudden you give it a 4K camera. It's four times as much data. Well, those images from before are going to be the same, but if you re-record the same things, there's gonna be a lot more data inside of it that you can keep track of. Well, what kind of happens with, with chemotherapy is it kind of changes the way that you perceive things, the response times, how you, you know, the the quickness with which you hear, if that makes sense. So it just kind of throws it everything off. It kind of throws off. the whole system out of balance, right? Okay. It's always been in balance for a long time. Once you, you know, grow up, you know, things are always growing and changing. So you just kind of get used to things changing. But when you start going through chemo, it's a rapid change. And because chemotherapy doesn't affect one body system, it affects all of your body systems. It re, it changes the data that comes in and how you're able to process it, if okay. that makes sense. Yes, it and does. so this is where we say, I eat onion rings, I have a craving for onion rings, let's go get onion rings. I remember what onion rings tasted like, that's my memory. I associate these feelings and other objects in my world with this flavor of onion rings or this experience of eating onion rings. And then I go through chemo and I take a bite of those onion rings and all of a sudden I'm put off because instead of those onion rings tasting like what I expect onion rings to taste like, they taste like a glazed donut. So in this sense, the onion ring didn't change. It's still the same flavors, but how you perceive them, you changed your body, changed exactly. the chemicals that they put into your body for to fight the cancer is what adjusts your perception to be able to taste Exactly. What it actually tastes like. That's exactly correct. So what is, it's very complicated, but it's very, from a scientific standpoint, it's very complicated what's happening. There's a lot of complicated mechanisms. There's a lot of things but going on. But you can on. understand it from a philosophical level of a high level overview of just knowing that everything is 
out of alignment, right? You know, you know, you got your garage door and it's got the laser mm -hmm. beams, and then the laser beams when they don't touch, they go. They think that there's someone breaking the beam and it won't go down. That's what's happening here in your body when you're going through cancer or for, through the cancer fighter's body, right? What's happening is instead of having this expectation of the onion ring tastes like this, and then I bite it, and then my expectations fulfilled, all of a sudden it's disaligned. Well we learn all this data on a regular basis and we learn these associations and when one part of our memory and associations out of balance or out of whack or doesn't make sense out of anymore alignment. out of alignment none of it makes sense anymore okay so right. everything that you connect that to and then all of a sudden you do that with one thing you can survive you can be fine you do that with everything or a hundred like things all food. or 250 yeah. objects and all of a sudden your entire reality is skewed because you're not even sure what anything tastes like anymore. So not only are onion rings not tasting like onion rings, sometimes pizza's not tasting like pizza right. or toast right. or, or basil doesn't taste like, like basil, basil anymore. It doesn't something. smell like it's because your sense of smell can be diminished or your sense of salty can be amplified. So what do we do about this? Okay. Well, geez. <laughs> this are you acting problem. for practical reasons? Real world solutions on the Cookie for Chemo podcast. I'm asking for practical real world solutions. See, we talk about the problem, and then we gotta give people solutions, Ryan. Well, so, so that, so you just went on this big explanation. <laughs> you just went on this big explanation. Okay, I think we understand. Uh huh. Kind of lightly. Sure. So now, what do we do about this? So the first thing you have to do is it's, it's this is this is a massive massive problem, and this is probably one of the biggest problems in chemo is the disaligned expectations. So there's a couple ways that you do this, and they're really simple, but they're time consuming because there is no shortcut in this because you have to relearn 25 or 75 or 50 years of data all over again. And like learning a little takes kid. time. And learning yeah. just takes time and it's frustrating and it's exhausting. So what you have to do is you have to start with a tasting journal. A tasting journal is if we have one on our website, cookingforchemo.org. I'm going to do the plug early, right? Okay. You go into our printable downloads, chemo resources, printable downloads. You print as many pages as you want. Print as, as many want. as you want. And then if you don't have a printer, we sell books of them. Jeff Ryan Callahan's Tasting Journal. They're 15 bucks. What you do is you go through and you write down everything you've eaten, just like a wine journal, right? People drink wine. Did I like it? Did I not like and then it? They make what did it notes. Taste? Like they make notes, yeah. right? So a tasting journal should include a bunch of notes. What the recipe, how did it make me feel? What did it taste like? What did it smell like? What did I like? What did I not like? How can I improve the experience in the future, right? And this gives you a tangible way working through the cooking for chemo process of taste, touch, sight, smell, sound, memory, and association of being able to go through and systemically and systematically look through each recipe and each basic ingredient and taste them, smell them, touch them, experience them, and then write down the data. And as you do this more, you'll keep realigning your senses. You'll keep realigning your senses. And as you go through chemotherapy, as the concentrations of these of the drugs increase and decrease in your system as you get injections, as you don't, as they wear off, it'll change and it'll go through, but you'll be able to find these patterns of what's working for you and what's not. And then you can do more of what is and do less, less of, of what what's doesn't. not. And, you know, ah, they say the I definition of insanity is not is doing not the same, same thing, thing over and, and over and over again <laughs> and expecting a different result. Right. You know, I put my finger in the electrical socket. It shocks me. Maybe I should put it back in there and see if it shocks me again. Well, by the third time you do that, you should be able to associate that the electrical outlet causes electrical shocks. Hopefully. 
<laughs> Hopefully people Hopefully. will learn that. But this is what's happening inside of inside of your uh, inside of, of, of your brain is you're getting all this wrong information or different data, right? Div wrong based on your historical knowledge, but different because you know you're still the, you're still the same person, but what you're getting is different. And so you just got to look at it like the equipment on your computer or the equipment on your camera is different and you have to relearn how to work with that equipment. And so that's what you're doing with this tasting journal. You're sitting down, you're writing down everything. And what I want you guys to do at home is I want you to play what's called the smelling game. We talked about it before in the smelling games where you sit down and you go through all the herbs and spices in your house and you know you do a couple at a time just so you don't get overwhelmed because sometimes cancer stuff can be very very overwhelming and disheartening right so we start with tasting the five flavors salty savory spicy sour sweet we taste those we do our seasoning broth exercise okay we figure out what flavors we like okay and then the next thing we do is we go through our spice cabinet and then we learn what flavors we like and what flavors we like we don't like to smell what builds an appetite what diminishes my appetite and then we can try things in our refrigerator like cold cuts like ham or turkey chicken roast beef pieces of cheese things that are pre-cooked and easy eat a carrot you know go through different foods and try them and keep a tasting journal and as you go through and you eat every meal and every snack talk about every meal and every snack and discuss how this makes you feel okay so there's one more thing you need to know about memory and association and that is that memory is the strongest sense tied to your sense of smell, okay? So we talk about all the time that comfort food is subjective. What makes us feel loved is subjective. It's not objective. It is not the same for everyone. It is not a fact. It is an opinion. Like my comfort foods would be salami, because yeah. I'm Italian. I grew up Italian with my dad. And so he used to always buy salami and Pizza. I love pizza. But <laughs> well, you, who doesn't like pizza? Well, some people don't. But specifically, I love pepperoni pizza. Right. For you, it's interesting because, like, when you're craving something that, you know, for comfort, it's always fried chicken. Yes, fried chicken. It's good, but it's not something that I crave. General Sal's chicken, hot and sour soup, <laughs> chicken noodle soup, weird stuff, meatloaf. Yes. Canned green beans, which everyone you had a is very stroking. diverse childhood. Yes, I did. People are, are grasping. <laughs> had a very Italian they're, one. <laughs> they're they're grasping their pearls right now. Did he say canned green beans are comforting? Yes, canned green beans are comforting to me. It's subjective. It's not objective. I know that fresh <laughs> green beans are better, but for me, it just reminds me of my childhood being raised by my grandparents, and so. The, so what we do is we have to think about what comforting things are, right? When we smell something, that smell can bring us back immediately to that memory. So we associate a smell. When we do these exercises in our cooking for chemo classes, you know, we close our eyes and I say, don't try to picture your grandfather's face, but remember what your grandfather smelled like. And once you remember what he smelled like, because that's the easiest thing to recall. Like my grandfather smelled like Pert Plus Old Spice and this weird old garage lawnmower cut grass smell, right? Because he was always doing that stuff. Okay. I didn't see my grandfather a lot, but when I did, he smelled like beer and cigarettes. Right. Okay. And, <laughs> but if you think about him, you immediately smell that. And then when you smell that, you can remember oh, their face, so right? Because so your sense of smell is your strongest sense tied to memory and association. And so right. when we smell these things, we begin to associate it. Like the smell of a baby's head immediately reminds you of other babies. You smell a, a dog and dogs smell like other dogs. And it reminds you of another dog that you had, right? 
or you smell brick or like they're doing construction outside and smelling the construction outside in the summer reminds me of being a kid and, and, and walking around in the, in the construction zones because we grew up in houses that were new, you know? And so it brings back all these childhood memories. Well, we also do this experiment. We say, think about Thanksgiving. What's the first thing you smell, right? And everyone says stuffing or sage or turkey. turkey. Right, exactly. <laughs> all these different smells. And then once you smell that first smell, everything's so much easier to, to recollect. Well, what we have to do with this memory and association is we have to sit down and relearn these pathways. We have to relearn what things smell like, what things look like to us, what things taste like, what they feel like in our mouth. And once we start to do that, we can start to learn and understand that it's different and that different is not always bad, okay? It's just different. And we have to relearn these things so that then we can do the next part, which is rebuilding our appetite. And we do that with a tasting journal. And I think that's everything about memory and association. So with that being said, we're going to move on to our audience email. Oh, no. Chef Ryan, I used to love curry, but now every time I smell it, I get nauseous. Please help. Okay, so uh, we talked a lot about your sense of smell, and we just talked about how your sense of smell is tied to memory and association, right? So we have right. these feelings. Curry is an unbelievably um, scent-driven type of cooking. Okay. It's very fragrant. Very fa fragrant, full of tons and tons of blends of spices, right? And, and there's literally hundreds of types of curry. So if you used to love it and now you don't love it, you got to identify what is in the curry that is triggering you. Is it the curry powder itself? Is it the type of curry powder? Is it what you're cooking it with, right? So for example, like if you're eating potatoes and carrots and onions, if you eat those in other dishes, do those trigger you and make you mm, nauseous? This is where the tasting journal comes into exactly. play because then you can say, oh, well, I made a curry with carrots and I ate carrots the other day and it was fine, but now it's the curry, so now I got to right. figure out what in the curry. So then, Brilliant. Have, so then you go through and you go through and you smell the curry powder. Is it the curry powder? Well, if the curry powder is kind of making you nauseous, then we omit the curry powder, right? But because curry is a blend of herbs and spices, you could, if you wanted to, go through the entire curry recipe and smell every single ingredient inside of it. You and know? see if it's just one is thing it in the blend. Is it cumin? Is it saffron? What is it inside of this curry? Is it star anise? You know, what is it inside of this that is triggering me? A lot of times people find that the really pungent smells like cumin diminish their appetite. You know, and for a lot of people that works, uh, that that doesn't work for them. But then some other people, it, it really does, does work. Yeah, and they right? love it. Yeah, they love it because they can't smell anything at all. And then that really, really pungent, stinky smell is like just the only thing they can experience, right? And that's okay. Right. And so that's what I do. I'd sit down with your tasting journal, write it down, go through every ingredient in the recipe and find out what it is. Is it the chicken? Is it the beef? Is it the pork? Is it the tofu? What is it? Is it actually the, the curry, curry itself? Yeah. You know, is it the preparation method? Are you putting cruciferous vegetables in it like cabbages? You know, because cabbages are very pungent. You know, so is broccoli and cauliflower. They're, they're, they're really stinky. They if you are. actually smell them, they yeah. smell ter They taste great. They taste great. But smell they terrible. smell terrible. But you get used to the smell after a while. And, yeah. and at, but during chemo, a lot of times your nose will become more sensitive than it was before. And so, like the example with my mom and the tuna fish running right. down the stairs, you know, like Wiley, like get the roadrunner, get out of the house, right? This sense of pungency can right. be so powerful that it can diminish your appetite. And so that is the answer to that question. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Chef Ryan. And that's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Remember, you can get all of this information and more on our website, cookingforchemo.org, along with our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan. Thanks for listening.